0: So then, about a week later, about a week later, they called us back and said, uh, "We got some bad news. Um, we don't have a test that finds these types of cancer cells. Um, but being that we were in there, we were able to get to this certain place. And had we not done the previous." Um, we would have never found it, and it would have been full-blown cervical cancer, of which uh, the ratio of death is astronomically high. And so we went from cloud nine to cloud eight. Not not quite to the bottom. So very troubling news. And the uh, doctor was almost positive uh, without doing the test that it was or doing another procedure that it was, over, or, uh, cervical cancer. And so the last... Uh, about 10 days ago or so, they did a procedure on my wife and uh, corrected some things and then took out all of what they thought was cancerous, said was cancerous. And so yesterday morning, or what's this, two, yesterday morning about 8 o'clock or 8.30, the doctor called and said, well, don't know what you're doing, but everything that we thought was there, uh, come back absolutely negative, no cancer, no. <laughs> so... Faith is not a word, it's a journey. Faith is not a word, it's a journey. I I think I mentioned this. You look in the Old Testament, it's only mentioned two or three times, I think two, but maybe three times throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. So when you say they had faith, they really didn't have faith because we think faith is a word, and it's not. They had been spoken to by the presence of God, and they took what they heard, and they acted on it. Abraham was only spoken to, what, twice in his lifetime, maybe three times? That's, that's not much. We, we get talked to, what, ten times a day? Okay, twice a week? Okay, once a month? Um, it's often with us. Can you imagine living a lifetime like Abraham did and walking with faith, walking in faith, being the father of the faithful, and only hearing from God twice in your lifetime? When you get a word, it just happens. And so I'm I'm ecstatic. I am I'm so I'm so pumped, I'm so jazzed because it doesn't matter what doctors say, it doesn't matter what test results say, and we say this honestly. Amen. I've learned, I've learned, and we're gonna we're gonna go to the word of the Lord very quickly here, but I've learned that faith is not denying the facts. Faith is not looking at the doctor and saying you're an idiot and all that medical degree you have isn't worth anything. Uh, That's not true. Faith is saying, thank you. You're right. It is there, and you're right. If something drastic doesn't happen, it's going to do exactly what you said. Thank you for letting me know what the facts are. Now I can take the facts to a great physician who is not limited by MRIs or CAT scans or the latest drug, but he is the ever-living, the all-knowing, the all-sufficient He is the great, the high, the mighty, the lofty. Hallelujah. I feel such a spirit of faith in this place. Praise God. We don't even need a sermon for the operation of the Holy Ghost to start taking place. You can receive the Holy Ghost right now. You can be healed right now. You can be set free right now. Would you just clap your hands and just get lost in what you feel right now? Who knows what God's going to do here in the next little while. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you.
1: Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.
0: Praise God. Praise God. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to do my best. If I did what I wanted to do, I, I think I'd try to jump a few chairs. I'd probably get hurt in the process, but that's how much faith I have and excitement I have. So if I just lose my mind, uh, let me have one, will you? Praise God. God's been good to me this week, and I just feel an extreme amount of joy. Amen. Praise God. Praise God want to read from the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse number 1, and I'll read quickly. I will preach. i start to say quickly, but that would be a lie. I'll, I'll preach as quick as I can. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be, I heard somebody say it, though he be, that's the key, though he be Lord of all. There's no difference between him and a servant, though he be Lord of all. Let's go on. But is under tutors and governors, until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. That's going to mean something here in just a little bit. Verse number four. But when the fullness of the time was come, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Here it is. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant. Wherefore thou art, that's all right. Wherefore thou art no more a, but a, now watch this. And if a. Than an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit, then, when we knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Key verse. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? I want to talk to you on sons and servants, the difference between sons and servants, and. I don't have time to go back and lay the foundation that I wanted to Sunday. I'm going to move quickly. But I do feel like that the Lord is, is doing something here. And it's just one more piece of the puzzle in this great wall of evangelism and revival. Amen? Amen. And I want to do my part. I want to play my part and be the best that I can be for the kingdom of God. Father, I love you tonight. Thank you for the honor to be here in this house with your people. I pray anointing to flow through me, God, and upon me. Give me words. Give me wisdom. Give me clarity of thought, God. Let me articulate the scripture, your word, your life, your light to your people. Let us come alive with revelation and illumination tonight. Father, clap your hands and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I read the book of Revelation. Let me pause and just say how glad I am to have my second oldest son with me tonight, Logan, and my nephew back again, my chauffeurs, they're just doing a great job, and I'm glad and honored to have them with me tonight. Amen. I am a a student of Scripture. I, I, I wished I held a higher GPA than I do, but I try to study the Scripture and try to figure it out. Um, I'm convinced that some of this stuff, it's just not meant to be known. I, I, I just, I gave up on the seven seals and the seven vials and all the horses. Um, I just went and got me a couple and thought I could learn to ride here. I'd be all right when I got over there. Praise God. So if you want to ride a horse, I got a couple. I'll take you out and get you ready for the rapture. One way or the other, whether it's a black one or a white one, I can ride both in Jesus' name. That's 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 my... Uh, Depth on the book of Revelation But I I do understand That when the apostle or when the beloved wrote The revelator saw And he began to pen the words About the seven churches of Asia He began to speak of seven different church ages Or seven different dispensations Or seven different spirits Now, um, I'll let your pastor figure all that out I personally believe that it is seven different spirits of the church that, that, that attack or attach itself or we go through or merge into or come out of. If you believe that they're distinct ages, I can go with that because it doesn't matter to me. Y'all, serious lot tonight. It, it really doesn't matter to me because when I get into the book of Revelation, all I see is the church coming back, and, and that's me. I don't find myself much in the book of Revelation with a whole lot to worry about. I, I I plan on coming back with him on one of those horses and ruling and reigning with him. But in the first three chapters of Revelation, it is his understanding that he is to write what he hears from the Spirit to the church and about the church. And so in Revelation 1 and Revelation 2, he begins his discourse. He begins his... His relationship or dialogue with the Spirit, and under the angel of the church of Thyatira, and then Pergamus, and then Philadelphia, unto the church. Finally, to the seventh church age, to the Spirit, to the Spirit, or to the church, or to the laity of Laodicea. When he got to the Laodicean church, he he wrote different to them. He said, "You have a name that you are alive, but you're really not alive." He said. You you say one thing, but you really are another thing. He said, now, I, I'm not opposed to you being what you say you are, but my indictment toward you, Laodicea, is that you say you are alive. You say that there are miracle signs and wonders among you, but yet... There are no miracle signs and wonders. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to change the name of your church and say we do not have these types of things or let them know what you are. But be either cold or be hot. But don't don't be lukewarm. Don't be somebody that doesn't live up to what you're supposed to live up to. Don't, Don't settle for second best. Don't allow yourself to get into a spirit of just mundane or lethargy or complacency but if you say you are alive for God's sake be alive or be dead because when I see you and you are lukewarm that you are neither hot nor cold he said it makes me sick to my stomach I want to regurgitate you I I stand here on this particular night talking to great people of God and I, I, I have an urgent See in my spirit to the church in the end time and that is that I think that we may be more like the Laodicean church than what we want to admit. We, we say we are apostolic from the top of our head to the soles of our feet and we, we, we try to dress apostolic and we try to walk apostolic and look apostolic but dear God, there's so much more of being apostolic than just looks or dress. Well, we're going to work on it just a minute. There, there's so much more of being an apostolic. Than just the things that we do or the things that we don't do externally, and I'm not I'm not negating those things. They are of great importance. But oh my God, where is the earnest of the spirit? Where is where is the groaning and the earning or the earning of prayer? Where is where's that hot fervent desire to to see and to feel and to witness? Where is the appetite from God's people that says we are apostolic in dress, we are apostolic in Worship. We're going to be apostolic in miracles and signs and in wonders. We're not just going to say we're one thing and be another, but we're going to push until we become. We're going to grow until we are. Clap your hands and give God some praise here tonight. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God. We have a name that we are alive. It ought to be in the church. That the prayer of the faithful, the prayers of the elders, with the anointing of oil, ought to cause the sick. To be healed. Now, you 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 don't have to like what I'm saying, but you do have to hear what I'm saying. It ought to be more than just a myth or a fairy tale in an apostolic church. It ought to be more than just things that we remember about apostolic ways and lifestyles, but it ought to be an actuality, it ought to be an event. Our young people ought to be growing up, watching blinded eyes being opened, and miracles take place. Somebody getting healed of cancer ought to be happening every day, every service. There ought to be numerous testimonies. Did you hear what God did to so-and-so? Did you hear what God did to brother so-and-so? Did you hear they gave him six days, but it's been six years. Come on, apostolic people. We have a God that can do exceeding abundantly above all. We are positioned for the greatest move of his spirit right here, right now. will not back down, I will not be shut up and you won't put me in a corner. I am going to contend that the greatest hour of the apostolic people is not behind us. I do not look behind to my past and say what a day. But I look more to my future with expectancy than I do in fond memory of yesterday. I grew up on Pentecostal pews. I've watched blinded eyes be opened. I've watched miracle signs and wonders. Do we have it here and now like we used to? No. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have it like we used to. Matter of fact, we will exceed what we used to be. For the latter shall be greater than the former. For the latter's going to be greater than the former dear God in heaven do you not believe that your God is able your God is not weak your God is not anemic your God is not in trouble your God has not lost his power lost his ability he's just looking for somebody and somewhere that will believe that he is able God have mercy I'm not going to get there again tonight but I, I believe I believe that faith is the most precious commodity that I possess. I, I really do. I thank God for the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost got me born into this. It, 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 it needs to teach me now. I need to grow into some stuff now. My death, burial, and resurrection is just my birthing into the life of of Christ, It is not complete. I'm starting to correct the people that I pastor when they say, I got saved five years ago or I got saved 33 years ago. You haven't got saved yet. We are not saved yet. We are born into. We have been born again. We are working toward saving. We are working toward salvation. But this is a journey, and it is a journey that must be learned every day. I've got to eat every day. I've got to drink every day. I've got to take the right vitamins every day Come on congregation We've got to mature We've got to grow up Hallelujah Hallelujah A few years ago Matter of fact about 10 years ago Our church was in great financial need God was blessing us with growth We didn't have any money We didn't have any place to go We thought we were in trouble Had a family that God had begun to use in my church and they come to me and they said, Pastor, if God will help us, we'll tithe everything off of our business. I said, is that a promise that you're willing to make in front of God? They said, we are. I said, I want you to bring me a piece of paper with the name of your company on the church on Sunday. They brought it in on Sunday. I framed it. I put it in a little frame. I had them sit on the front row and I preached the dedicatory uh, sermon about their company. And I said, God, you bless them. And as you bless them, they're going to give a tenth, they're going to give a tithe of everything that comes through their front doors the first check was about 5,000 the next check was about 10,000 and then probably 20,000 and then 18,000 and then I got a phone call that said pastor come meet us at Denny's for breakfast didn't think it was going to end very well at Denny's I walked into Denny's. We had breakfast, and they slid a check, folded over to the, across the table, and they said, this, this is what we've been waiting on. This this is just the beginning. And I took the check and put it in my pocket like a good pastor. You know, we don't want to look at it in front of you. <clears throat> and so they kind of looked at me and said, uh, we, we want you to look at that. I said, no, 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 I'll give it to the church secretary. I wasn't. I was going to look at it since I got outside. I said, no, I'll give it to the church. It's all right. You can laugh. We're honest. I'll give it to the church secretary and everything will be all right. They said, no, we want you to look at that check. And so I pulled it out and I looked at it. And I'm so glad I did. $197,000 tithe check. Now, you, you hear me. You hear me what I'm fixing to tell you? I told you that to get to this. It's not the first time that God has come through for South Coast Worship Center. It went from $197,000 to $50,000 checks and $40,000 checks. In one year's time, we spent $150,000 cash in the nation of the Philippines. We built 500 churches in the country of Nairobi, Kenya, West Africa. Are you listening to me? We didn't hang on to it. We put it into the world. We put it into a seedbed. bed. I believe that it's fixing to return. My church has gone through hell and back. I can't even begin to tell you all the things that's happened. I'm glad I'm still here. Amen. Today, 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 God gave us another lesson of his faithfulness. God showed us that if we are willing to grow up and be mature with him, that he has all things done well. Amen. I'm glad that Logan is with me. He can correct the story if I've got it wrong. But about five or six months ago, he began to work for a couple, a wealthy couple, a well known couple. And uh, they, they starred in a couple of Hollywood movies, and they're into the western, and they're in the horse scene. And, and um, very, very lucrative business for this couple. And so they, they hired Logan to do some work for them. It's been four, five, six months. He'll go out there and trim some of their horses and shoe some of the horses and break a few, train a few, and he'll come home. They'll pay him accordingly. The other day they said, we need some more help. And so they hired him to do some more, and then that some more worked into more. So last week they came to him and said, "We've got some work for you. If you'll come out here, we're going to pay you hundred bucks a day. Come out here for about an hour." And so he's been doing that for a while. I'm making a long story short. So last week they called him when he come home. He answered his phone. They said, we got some more work for you. We like you. We had a prayer meeting. They had a prayer meeting out there. They joined hands and they began to pray for my wife. They said, we believe that God is a healing God. We believe that God can heal your mother. And so they linked hands. I'm telling you the wealth of the wicked is laid up. I said, the wealth of the wicked is laid up. That's what I've come to preach against, that right there. And so they joined hands and they prayed with him and they said, We believe God's going to heal your mother. We're going to be a blessing to you. We believe God's blessed us to bless you. And so they hired him. They said, We're going to pay you more than you're worth. We're going to give you a thousand dollars here. How does a thousand dollars, well, a thousand dollars to a twenty-one-year-old man, that's pretty good money for about five hours. It's pretty good money to a 43-year-old man. And so he's an honest young man. Pays his tithes, gives in the offering, but the black was with us this past Sunday. He said, somebody's going to give a sacrifice. Somebody is going to step beyond. He began to talk to us about being on the verge, the tipping point. Of sacrifice, He said there's miracles, major miracles on the horizon. And he began to speak into this church or our church's life and our future. On Sunday, my, my son was sitting there and he paid his tithes and offerings. And we come to that point where if we have a special speaker, we don't take an offering. Uh, we, we let people bring it to the platform. It's kind of like poor preach, poor pay. And so, and so uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But nevertheless, we bring our money while they preach. And we sow into the sermon. We plant seed. It's just a faith deal. And so uh, he paid his tithes and offering. The preacher's preaching. The Lord said, you need to give. So he had $80 left, and he was hoping to keep that after paying all his bills and paying tithes and offering. He's feeling pretty good about it. I mean, to end up the week with 80 bucks. that's pretty good. Better than his dad did that week. And so he he put the rest in his pocket. The Lord said, you need to give sacrificially. He said, oh, now, come on, God, this is the first week. Let me have a little bit. So he pulled out a $20 bill. Am I telling the story right? And he put a $20 bill on the altar and went back, and the Lord said, now, you know better than that. And so he went back to the altar and put the balance of the 60. He gave it all. He walked out broke. He said, God, I just believe that you're able. I'm sowing seed into this. On the morning, he got the phone call for the $1,000 job. So he got back way over tenfold. Amen. 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 I cannot tell you the prophecies. I cannot tell you the great men of God that have stood in my pulpit and, and foretold our future. Has it come cheap? No. Will it come cheap to this church? No. Does the purpose of God come easy to the kingdom? No. It is not without fight. Every open door will have many adversaries. If a door opens and you are not fought, run from it. Don't dare step through it because it cannot be biblically an open door from God because the devil will only fight what he fears. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying right now. Don't don't run from the fight. Run to the fight. It's when running, you must run when it's not a fight. But when the devil starts resisting, stand, therefore, when you've done all. Stand. Don't run. Stand. Get ready because God's behind that open door. And I feel the Holy Ghost again here tonight. There is a prophetic voice. Dear God in heaven, there are principalities, there are powers, there are people that have worked against this church for years trying to keep it where it is, trying to keep it locked behind these four walls. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost said they've had their last laugh, they've had their last day. Every wall will come down, every principality will be broken. He will rise. In power and authority I take dominion of every demon of doubt I take dominion of every spirit of fear We bind you in Jesus name We walk in faith We walk with faith Hallelujah Hallelujah. Now, what I'm fixing to tell you, whether it happens or not, is irrelevant. Can it happen? That's what matters. So he was working again today, and her, this lady called him aside, and they had another prayer meeting and concerned about my wife and wanting to know about our church's missions program and what do you do and how do you do this. And my son's just telling all of this, and she's speaking faith and faith and faith. He told me, way he said, Dad, it's got to be one of the most faithful ladies I've ever met in my life. It's all about faith with her. Amen. And let me tell you something. Faith is an important part of an apostolic church. If it was all about prayer, the Muslims would have the world. If it was all about fasting, the Buddhists and the monks would have the world. But it's not all prayer and it's not all fasting. There's a whole bunch of it. It's the element of great faith. I know we didn't like that, but it's the truth anyhow. She looked at him after much conversation, and I've left out a lot to the story. She looked at him, and she said, my husband is in India right now. One of the few times that he's been out there where the husband's not been there. She said, he's in India right now, closing a deal. The government gave us 50 acres. We're supposed to deed us 50 acres, but today we got a miracle. And she said, we got 100 acres, and they're going to dig some wells, and they're going to do a lot of great things for the kingdom. One of the things that they've got for the kingdom is they're raising a boat load of money to do what they're doing, their project, their work, and then they're going to do all this other stuff for the kingdom. And she began She began to tell Logan, she said, I just feel something about you. There's something particular about you. She said, there's a connection in the spirit world. There's something that God is wanting to do. Am I telling it right? In your church, for your church. She said, I don't understand it all, but I do know this, and I'm not supposed to tell you until my husband gets home. She said, but we are praying right now. She said, the first hundred million just hit. And she said, he he and I are praying right now, and when he gets home, we will make our decision. But we feel led of the Spirit to tithe to your church. Now, hear me tonight. Whether that particular thing happens or not is is not my case in point. It's the fact that the Holy Ghost is out there working on behalf of his church. If the church will open up its mouth, if the church will walk in the territory, if the church will believe, God's got it all figured out. sit here and suck our thumbs and act like we don't have what it takes to win the world. I don't have faith in people. I've got faith in God. I don't have faith in finances. I've got faith in God. I don't have faith in governments and nations. I've got faith in God. And when I've got God on my side, I've got everything I need to do. Come on, somebody. Let your faith
1: go. Let your faith go. Don't worry what facts are. Let your faith go.
0: I think we just need to express some faith right now. However you feel like it, clap, shout, run, jump. But we need to exercise some faith right now. telling you the Holy Ghost wants to break this church. The Holy Ghost wants to raise this church. The Holy Ghost wants to use this church, but we're going to have to step into a dimension of faith where it's not in our control and it's not in our ability, but where we walk with God. We walk with God. We walk in the stead of God. Hallelujah. There ought to be a $10,000 offering on this platform before we're done here tonight. Now, did you hear how quick we lost our praise? When you start putting a price tag on it, we want to sit down. I'm just going to jump to the end of it we're either sons or we're servants we either have power with God or we're nothing to God and I refuse to accept that I'm nothing to him I want to believe that I'm everything to him that I'm the apple of his eye that I'm joint ownership of the kingdom that his father gave him that what he did I can do where he went I can go come on congregation we're not some weak anemic people we're the children of God we're the king of the righteous, we're the holy and the separated, and the godly and the righteous.
1: Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
0: Uh, I don't know. Keep keep coming. We're going to break something here tonight. Don't sit there and use logic and reason. I don't, don't dare reason it out. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous season in the church. It's a dangerous time for the church. It's time for us to step up and step out. It's time for us to step toward what God has for us. We are not, come on, come on, somebody. We're not some illegitimate child. We know who our father is. We know his untold wealth. We know the wealth of his kingdom. We know he has all power. We know that he made it all, created it spoke it all. He controls it all. And if I'll have enough faith in that God, there is nothing that that God can't do. There's nothing that that God won't do. He'll take us. He'll move us. He'll elevate us. He'll Don't hold back. Don't hold back. But there's something you've been praying for and waiting on. The Holy Ghost has it tonight. The Holy Ghost has it for you tonight right here in this building. But there's one thing that deep in your heart you know he's going to require of you. And you and him need to have a conversation about it. And if you'll do it, sing it, pray it play it, whatever he asks, there's going to be a breakthrough in your house. There's going to be a breakthrough in your life. There's going to be a breakthrough in your mind that is unprecedented. It's the reason hell has fought you so hard to keep you from this moment. But our father is not weak. Our father doesn't need help. All he's looking for is somebody to have a little bit of faith that says he'll move a mountain if he has to. He'll call forth It's evident I'm not going to get there again tonight. Stay where you are. Stay where we are. God, God's, God's doing something here. We're going to follow the Holy Ghost here. In Matthew, stay standing. In Matthew, when he looked at his disciples, it was important. Listen to me. It was important for Christ before his ascension, for him to know of an assurity that his disciples knew who he was. He didn't much care, though important, what the world knew. If he were convinced, his chosen knew. Are you with me? That's why he stopped one day in the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew and said, Whom do men say that I, the son of am?" He did not ask the multitude. He asked his followers. He asked those closest to him. And they said, some say Elias or Jeremiah or even one of the prophets. And he shook his head and said, that's that's disturbing to me. That's not what I wanted to hear. I want you to tell me who I am. I am fixing to leave this world. Everything about my kingdom is contingent upon your revelation. If you don't know who I am, then the world will stay lost and the world will stay damned. And it was that great preacher Peter that stood up and said I know who you are. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What a revelation. My God. God. What a revelation. I am so thankful tonight that I preached to a people that it's not confused on who Christ is. I am not here to debate nor argue, but I am not confused over the plurality of us in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I I am not the least bit confused over the terminology of the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter of the book of John. It doesn't confuse me. It's very simple. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. There is. God came in the flesh not a third part of a whole, not a second part of three, but in the totality of all that God was. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And nothing was made without Him and without Him, without Him, without Him. Come on somebody. I'm so thankful that we know who Jesus is. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The everlasting Father. The King eternally you better get that revelation and you better hang on to that revelation because it is the greatest of all I can go as deep as you want to go theologically but let me give it to you simple let us make man in our own image And in the image of God made he them, both male and female. There are some that say the plurality of us indicates that there was an eternal son standing with an eternal God, and they had a conversation. That's where they base the plurality of let us make man in our image. But you cannot stop there. If that is true, and it is, he made man in his image. And in the image of God, made he them. That's a plurality. Both, that's a plurality. Male and, that's a plurality. Female. But when you look at what God made, you don't find two and you don't find three. But you find one who is the identical totality. You can't get any closer to God than what Adam was at that glimpse in the second chapter of the book of Genesis. And if God would have been speaking to his eternal son, then he would have had to have Adam 1 and Adam 2 and an unseeable Adam 3 to do it in the plurality of their images. But when you only have one God speaking to himself, of himself, and by himself, and you end up with one seeable Adam, it proves that. There were not three co-equal, co co-eternal in the eternal heavens, but that there was really one Father who was the creator of all and one Son who was the redeemer of all and one Spirit who was the Bapt. There's not three Adams. There's just one Adam. Let me tell you how I know. Because when God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone, a whole nother Bible study, it's not good for man to be alone. It caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam and out of Adam's Say it. Out of his side, he caused a deep sleep to come upon him. And out of his side, he broke a rib off that fifth. He pulled something out of him. I'll tell you what he did. He separated the femininity from the masculinity. He made Adam all masculine, and he made Eve all feminine. But they were once one, and they come together together. At the right time, the right place, under the right circumstances to be one again. Another Bible study for a morality class. But they had the ability to come together to be one again. Masculinity and femininity coming together. Are you listening to me? But it was the femininity from the masculinity that was the type and shadow of Genesis. Am I too, too, too far for you? In Genesis 1 and 2. But you hit the pause button there and you fast forward to the second Adam and you see when the second Adam went to sleep. And you see where the second Adam's bride came from. It came from the same place, the first Adam's. Okay, okay. I'm not going to get to Galatians, but let me me go here. So the most important thing you can get is the revelation of the mighty God, who Jesus is. Healing is in that name. Salvation is in that name. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all. Healing is in the name. Baptism is in the name. Everything we do, we do in and of the name of Jesus. I've been driving down the road And all hell breaking loose And didn't have a counselor Didn't have a confidant I could trust But driving down the road Eyes wide open No church house No music No singing going on behind me I just start whispering the name Jesus 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 And all of heaven came to attention Friend there's no power like that power There's no God like that God Because there's just no name like that name It's a name that principalities are going to submit themselves to. It's a name that every knee's going to bow to, every tongue's going to confess to. It's a name that will be glorified and exalted, but not just there. We get to do it right here because we know who He is. And when we clap our hands, we rejoice because He's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And we've got a revelation. Who am I? You're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed this unto thee. But my Father which is in heaven, and I say also unto thee, I say also that thou art, that thou art Peter, Petrus, thou art a small part. Of a large thing. Watch the revelation. Who am I? You're Jesus. you got it. You got it. I contend all of my life, all of my life, the United Pentecostal Church, the Apostolic Church, has rejoiced and shouted and built great churches and done great things on that revelation. But the revelation is a tripart. It's not just who Jesus is. And our problem is that we are only rejoicing over who he is. But the only problem with that, we don't have the power yet. Please stay with me. I can't tell you the hours, I can't tell you the hell I've gone through to get here. But I do understand my role in the kingdom today. And here we are. We will sing, the mighty God is Jesus, the Prince of Peace is He, the everlasting Father, King eternally, wonderful in wisdom by whom all things were made. I grew up on those things. It's all in Him, it's all in Him, it's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus and it's all in Him. And there is no song more right than that. But that's the first part of a revelation. He looked then and said, but I say also. And that little word means everything to the church. Son, it's not enough for you to know Jesus. You have to know Jesus knows you. Lord spoke to my church on Sunday. You know what he said? I proved it to him biblically. He said, they that hear my voice. Are mine, and if they don't hear my voice, they are not mine. Wait a minute. He didn't say if they're baptized in my name. He didn't say they talk in tongues because that's a given. You're born into it, but there has to be an acceptance. There are God in heaven. I'm I'm out of time. There has to be a time appointed when the Father looks at you and says, "It's a grown-up time. It's a time of transition. It's a time of acceptance." pastor I, I I'm sorry but here we are and so he said thou also also thou art petra what he said was you know who I am I want to tell you who you are you are Simon Barjona you are the son of I know who your daddy and his daddy and his daddy and his daddy and y'all been fishing this coastline for centuries you know me I salute you blessed art thou blessed art thou but that's not enough I have to know you. My sheep know my voice. I am known of them and they are known of me. We have started a few years ago to teach relationship of the heart. And we scared a bunch of people because we made it a priority. We made the inward man as important as the outward man. When all before, excuse me, I think I've earned the right to say this. When all before, it was how right you could be externally. You could assassinate with your tongue. You could gossip like a devil. You could spread discord through the church. You could split the church five times a year and not be disciplined as long as your outward man didn't break any of the rules and the regulation of the church. But God has raised up men and put them into churches, and they started to teach. You've got to have your heart as right as the outward man. If you don't talk to God every day, you're not a Christian. I know this never goes over good, but my God, how hard is it for the church to read the Word? You can put it on a watch, a clock, a phone, a CD, an MP3 player, a computer, uh, what else? Anywhere, you can go down the highway listening to the Word of God. There's no reason why the church should not have knowledge of the Word of God. When you used to go to work carrying your family Bible, I, I might could understand you not wanting to get too involved on in the workplace, but you can take your phone and put in some earplugs, and they don't even have to know what you're doing, and you can be feasting on your Father's Word. You can be growing and matured. Oh, I know, as long as we don't do this, we're saved. It's bigger than that. This is part of it. But as important as the outward man is, you better have a heart right for God. You better know Jesus. You better be in relationship with Jesus. Who am I? Who am I, Thou art Christ? Blessed art Thou, Simon Barjona. I know who you are. Now now let me take it. I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter. Peter, listen to me. Listen to me. As I leave, it's not enough for me to know you. And we're glad about that. Oh, we're so glad about that. And it's not enough for you to know me. But the third part is as equally as important as the other two. Thou art Peter. Who am I? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also that thou art Peter. Look at the redundancy. Here's what I believe. I believe when he looked at his disciples, he said, my hope is in these guys. And if I'm going to turn over the power of a kingdom, if I'm going to give them authority and give them wisdom and give them might, something has got to be gotten. What is it? They got to know me, I got to know them, and they got to know them. And we have convinced ourselves that in the world we live in, we are the vagabonds. We are the down and out. We are the church nobody wants to be part of. We're the people nobody wants to join. We're the organization that cannot build megachurches. We're the church where thousands don't want to come, dozens will assemble. Here we are. Here we are tonight. We've stepped out of the box, and we've got out of our comfort zone, and that spirit is wanting to work overtime saying, who do y'all think you are? What makes you think you can do that? I heard your pastor say, the beginning, other campuses coming. What makes you think this little group of people has what it takes to do that? Now, you ought to be fighting mad right now. Some of you ought to be rolling up your sleeves right now. If you truly knew who you were, see, if I preach about Jesus, you'll preach with me. If I preach about your relationship with Jesus, you'll hit your knees. But when I say that you are beloved now, even the sons of God, that you are the anointed flesh of Jesus Christ, that... Ah... Brother come get some keys. I'm back to keys, Sister Brown. Got some keys? Come up here with me, Rev. Who am I? Tell me who I am. Play, play Peter. Thou art the Christ. Art the Christ. Mm. Blessed art thou, Simon or Jonah, because flesh and blood have not revealed. Watch. If it was only important to know who Jesus is, he would have said, well done. Keys didn't come with the revelation of Jesus. If it was only important for us to know him, him to know us, he'd have got the keys then. But Jesus said, Nope, don't get them yet. You will only get the power when you know who you are. How much longer? How much longer is the apostolic people going to be content in having church behind four walls thinking that nobody wants what we've got and we can't do mega churches and we can't have worldwide revivals and we can't turn neighborhoods upside down and we can't empty out do you know who we are? do you not perceive who we really are? we are the anointed flesh of Jesus Christ When you clap your hands, you're not clapping your hands for Albert Pujols at the Angel Stadium. You are the beloved. You are the apple of his eye. You are the redeemed. You are the righteous. You are the ransom. When you open up your mouth, he hears you when you pray. Watch this. Thou art Peter, thou art Peter, now that you know who I am, now that I know who you are, but it's not enough. You've got to know that when you turn from me and I ascend, that everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I preached and taught to you, it has not left you, but it is in you, it's on you. And when you get that revelation, watch, 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 for I give to thee the keys of the kingdom Watch me. And whatsoever, whatsoever, don't run past that, whatsoever. You got a need here tonight? Has it been bogging you down? Has it depleted your strength? Are you weary in the journey? Are you at what's in? Are you hanging on by the end of the thread? Are, am I talking to somebody tonight? Jesus said, when you know me and I know you and you know who you are, I'm going to give you some power that whatsoever you bind on, what's the posture of the church? We pray, come down. We pray, send revival. We pray, send the blessing. We pray, send evangelism. We pray, send illumination. And heaven is saying, I can't do that. You got it wrong. It doesn't work that way. You have to release it first, and I'll endorse it here. you thought I was playing about an offering and I don't normally do this this is the second time in about a year that I felt what I feel here right now but there is a breakthrough connected to the giving of this church tonight uh, I'm going to give you the keys and whatsoever you bind on earth whatever you bind on earth you hear me I will bind it in heaven And whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose it. Quit asking heaven to do your job. Quit going home and begging heaven to cleanse your house. Quit going home and commanding heaven. Are you listening to me? When the church understands who she is, we will walk into our homes and we will say, You devil and you spirit, hit the road and don't come back. This is my house. This is, oh no, it doesn't work that way. Heaven's got to come down. Heaven's already down when you got the revelation of Jesus. And when Jesus said, you're mine, he said, now, go ye into all the world. Go ye into all the world. Go, go. Why? Because you are my witnesses. If you decree it, heaven will enforce it. If you ask it, heaven will obey. If you say it, Why are you so afraid to believe? Because the enemy of the church has convinced us we're nothing. We're servants. I'm not a servant. I am a son of God, I am a son of the king. I have power. Come here, son. I don't mean to embarrass you, but come here. How old were you when cancer hit? Fourteen. 14. Diagnosed. And for unbelievers, I have, like I said, I'm gonna write a book one of these days when people think I'm old enough to for it to be read. <laughs> I think that's about 16 UPC, in that right, Brother Brown. I'm sorry, I get a little bitter and I use inside words when I shouldn't. <laughs> I have x-rays. From Dr. Betty Carlson, from Costa Mesa, California, Orange County. Feel free to call her. Ask her if she knows the Morgan boys. I promise you, she'll say yes. Yeah, she'll say, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." 14 years of age. X-rays show not a mass, but masses. When she come in, she says there are masses. She said there are so many, I can't, I can't figure out how many they are. Testicular cancer. The 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 best course of action was immediate. Removal, immediate radiation and chemo, drastic measures. Well, he's still got his hair, pretty good looking boy, and he's all man. Because on a Saturday night prayer meeting, an elder of the church said, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh, nah, no. And he did, I'm sorry, it was on Sunday on the front row right where Brother Model's standing he just reached over and put his hand on his head and say I rebuke cancer in Jesus' name that's it that's all he said he wasn't preaching he wasn't called in to be a faith healer he just said I rebuke cancer in Jesus' name Logan felt something pop he said I physically felt something pop he ran upstairs I had an office like that he ran upstairs he come running down quickly made his way to the platform he said dad gone everything is gone Whoa, 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 whoa. This is for the unbeliever. We went back to Betty Carlson, and we said, Monday, we said, more x-rays, please. And she said, but we, all right, fine, Morgan boys. More x-rays and an ultrasound. And she come back in with both of them. And the biggest smile on her face, she said, I know what happened. You don't even have to tell me what happened. She said, but take these and prove it. Let me tell you something. You can be an elder in the church. You can be sitting on the front row and look around and say, oh, wait just a minute. Somewhere I thought I had some keys. And those keys gave me the right to bind sickness and to loose, I feel it in this place today, and to loose healing. I'm not afraid of it. You hear me? I'm not afraid of it. I rebuke cancer. I rebuke sugar diabetes. I bind cancer. I Heart problem. I bind liver condition. I bind sickness in Jesus' name and I lose healing. Let your blood heal this church. Let healing virtue flow through this church. Everything connected to it. Let healing power flow. <laughs> Be twelve, October. I tell you the day, but I forgot it. But he'll be twelve. In the Huntington Beach Hospital, and uh, took my wife in, everything normal, perfect pregnancy, fourth child. Doctor Carlson said it's a wash, no big deal. You know you're a pro after four, especially nine pound babies. And so. She wasn't moving fast enough, so they gave her, what is it, potosium? Or, what is it? Yeah, induce labor, move it quicker. I, I really don't know. <laughs> it's not my forte. And so they gave it to her, and they had the monitors hooked up to her, and they were monitoring the baby, and all of a sudden bells went off, and I'm standing beside her getting ready to have a new baby. And Well, like I'm going to have it. Watching my wife have this new baby, I'm going to witness the pain, and take all the credit. And alarms start going off. Nurses and doctors rush in and they're pushing me out of the way and I'm I'm scared and I'm thinking, my God, what's going on here? And I said, what, what's, what's wrong? They said, we're losing the baby. Rare, and I quote, but every now and then a woman will have a titanic contraction where every muscle in her body will contract. It's rare, but it happens. And that completely crushes and shuts down the organs and the things necessary for the child. Thirteen minutes, no heartbeat. Now, they had the thing screwed in the top of his head. Thirteen minutes documented no heartbeat, no oxygen flowing, nothing. They had prepped her, started to open her for emergency C-section, and all of a sudden, the heartbeat started. Now, that's the short version. The long version is, is when they pushed me out of the way and they said, we're losing your baby. There's no heartbeat. I stood there for about four or five minutes and I realized after about three or four minutes you've got brain problems. After about six or seven minutes you've got major destruction. Dead. Even if he comes out, his brain will never be right. Not enough oxygen. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget walking out of that hospital room. I backed from that bed and I walked out and I shut the door and I put my head against that wall and I said it like this I am a child of God. And if this is your will, I accept it. But if it's not, I reverse the curse. Let life flow where there was death. That's it. When I walked back into that room, the heartbeat started pumping. Oxygen started pumping. He'd come out. Now, there's times I think he's brain dead still, but reality, he's perfectly healthy, almost 12-year-old boy. I'm telling you, when you ask, when you pray, when you proclaim, when you open up your mouth, not I'll tell you why we don't have because we don't believe we've got the right to have. But when the church gets a revelation of how rich daddy is and how much power daddy's got and the investment he made into his children, you can walk like a son. You can talk like Come on, believer, this has got to be more than a Tuesday night church. You've got to turn from this building, not as a servant, not subservant, but a son of God. You've got to open up your mouth and say, we will have revival. We will fill that gymnasium up. We will march. Just rejoice. Let God do whatever God's going to do here for a few minutes here. Come on, from your heart, give it to him. I want to say this prophetically, and I'll I'll move. I want to say this prophetically here tonight. You listen to me, church. I don't know who visits and who's saints, and you know. But one thing God will not allow. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care how much financial safety and safety nets you've got. They are not needed nor necessary. They are not required. As a matter of fact. They will be your greatest hindrance. Because they will teach you to only do what you can afford to do. And when you move in the dimension that I'm preaching, you'll never be able to afford it. Because it is a journey of faith. The Holy Ghost spoke to my church Sunday morning. And he said, You tell them, after Brother Black was there, he said, You tell them, I said, let down their nets. Today, let down their nets. And I got to looking closely at that. And when they obeyed, they let down a net. He said, nets. Simon said, net. And because he cast a net, he almost sunk his ship. And he had to share, or he lost, what was rightfully his. Had he been obedient, regardless of the cost, he would have inherited it all. This church better be careful that as God requires nets, you don't limit or lose by net. Because it's not about fish. It's about a principle. That's why after he looked at Simon said, henceforth, you're not going to catch fish anymore. You're going to be a fisher of men. But I had to get the principle into you when I tell you to do something regardless of your experience or how many times you've tried or how many times you failed. When I tell you to do it, you do it. Did you hear me? You do it. That's how you catch fish that are men. You move with a word from God. I rebuke any voice that would come against the direction of that would speak against moving and going to Monrovia and opening up that auditorium. That ought to be the first of 10. Now, I'm hitting a little something here. That ought to be the first of 10. And you're always going to have a few wet blankets that want to put out the wildfire. I don't have my checkbook. Is it all right if I read it out loud? I'm going to tell this church, I don't have my checkbook, but I'll write $10,000 check to Life church tomorrow. Now, did God not say 10000 tonight? I'm sorry. There's a few of you over here that's starting to irk me a little bit. Did not God say $10,000 tonight? Then that ought to give you everything that you need when you walk out that door that whatever God tells you, God's big enough to do it. If he says take Monrovia, take Monrovia. If he says take Pasadena, take Pasadena. He said take Los Angeles, take Don't worry about where it's going to come from. Don't worry about the nuts and the bolts. Just obey God. He'll make a way. It's here right now. That dimension, that open door, that moment, that time, that season. Go, church. Clap your hands. Make a noise. Don't you stop until something breaks deep in your spirit. Don't stop until you walk into that new dimension of faith. Stop. You got to press into this. You got to press into this. Come on, church. Come on, believer. God has already proven himself real here tonight. Don't doubt God's ability. Go ahead. Hela hasoto hika This is how geared we are traditionally. Let me, let me, let me qualify. I have to qualify myself before I get in trouble. I preached my first revival at nine. It it's hard to believe. My mom and dad used to drive me to my revivals. My first revival, I made $14.38. My dad told me, poor preach, poor pay. I hope that's not the truth, but that's what it was. Got my local license at 17, left home at 17, not been back since. I've been full-time since I was 15 years old preaching. It's all I've known. UPC's all I've known. Don't clap, but it's all I'm ever going to know unless it goes crazy. Always settled. But I can speak about tradition because I grew up in the Bible Belt. I'm a product of the Bible Belt. And we are a people so ingrained on a Moses mentality. We do what we're told, when we're told, and how we're told. To the point where our, where our standards are unto Moses, not unto God. That's why, Pastor, when you're not around, we'll build a golden calf. Rip off our clothes and dance naked. Because righteousness only applies if Moses can see us. That's what the generation of Mosesites are. We are preacher-oriented. We stand when they tell us to stand. We sit when they tell us to sit. We do what they tell us to do. And God says, that's got to change. God said, I'm going to let him die where you can't see it. And he called him up. And only God knows, God was the only guest Moses had. God preached it. God viewed it. God did it all. And then he went back to Moses and said, boy, take off your shoes. Because the same ground that was holy for Moses is holy for you. But we're going to get this right this time. But before we get it right between you and I, watch me. I'm going to let those folk die. Because any Christian who can't walk by themselves will never possess what God provides. Elder, shame on us as pastors if our people are one thing in the church and another thing out of the church. That's not an indictment to you. That's an indictment to me because your religion is tied to me. God's going to let that generation die in the wilderness and will raise up somebody who has never tasted slavery. Because the hardest transition for an apostolic is to stop thinking like a slave. I'll prove it to you. This isn't my church. This isn't his church. This is God's church. Watch. All we're supposed to do is keep it governed. That's it. That's it. If we need help, we choose righteous people from among you. We choose. Not you. We choose. That's God's government. And then he says, you govern those people. You watch those people. But our problem is we have made God's. You're here tonight. Now watch. I can't keep you from the cross. I can't keep you from the presence of God. But yet you won't move one inch until you are given instructions on what to do, when to do, and how to do. Are you not a child of God? Do you not have rights? Look, if you come to my house, you're going to knock on my door. At least I would hope you would. And you would wait until I answer it, and I hope I would. And I would say, hey, brother, come in. And I'd get out of the way. I'd say, come on in here, man. You like sweet tea? Sure. Man, I got some. So I always got sweet tea at my house. I'll get you some sweet Sit down on the couch right there. Now, don't go to my bedroom because that's off limits. <laughs> and my private bathroom's mine. Don't, don't use my private bathroom. Am I not right? Is that not what you do? I'll fix you sweet tea. I'll get you a cake or whatever you like, but set your honey and down on my living room and you wait till I get it for you. I'm sorry, sometimes I forget I'm in California. I'm sorry, Lord forgive me. I absolve myself. But here's the difference between my my Rev buddy and my blood buddy. My blood buddy doesn't have to knock on no door. He don't have to say, can I get some sweet tea? He don't have to say, is there any little Debbie's left? He can hit the fridge. He can eat anything that's in there. He can drink anything that's in there. He can use my bath. If he wants to, he can come sleep in my bed. I hope he don't. The other day, he said, Dad, do you mind if I have this? I looked at him I said, do you really have to ask? And I pulled out the old dad cliche and I said, son, all that dad has is thine. But the truth of the matter is, if it's mine, it ain't yours, but it's his. And it's his, but it's not yours. Nor yours, but it's his. You can't have it either. But You can't get it either, honey bun, but he can. Are you getting my point? They don't have to knock on my front door and say, Dad, can we come in? That's where he lives. He don't have to say, you mind if I use the toilet? That's where he lives. He don't have to ask permission to get the food. That's where he lives. I'm going to drive it home until somebody says, I think I'm getting this. Why do we think we've got to come to church and act like a guest and a visitor in our own daddy's house? Do you have power or not? I'm done. I've overstayed my welcome. Do you have power? Do you have keys? Are you a son or are you a servant? Please answer the question. What are you tonight? You're what? Then why are you still sitting there? Why are you waiting on direction from a friend, a brother? Why don't you find out what dad wants us to do? Why don't you find out where dad wants this furniture? Why don't you find out what's on dad's agenda? Because he's all that matters. Come on, apostolics of Pasadena. Let's be apostolic. Let's open up our mouth and declare things that are not as though they already are. Why? Because we are the sons of God. Clap your hands like a son. Shout like a son.